This is Season 2, Episode 24. Hey, welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. My name is Andy Littleton. I'm with a church called Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona, and I'm sitting across from my buddy Eric from the village, in, uh, the original village in uh, Tucson, Arizona. The original village, yes. Yeah, there was no village before yours. And uh, today we're talking about leadership, how Eric um, especially uh, you know, forged the first village of all time. That's right. Eric, good morning to you. Good morning to you. I'm, uh, I am happy to be talking to you on the microphone because I think I have a sneaking suspicion our microphones sound way better. And, um, you know, here's the deal. Uh, you really need, you really need somebody who knows what the heck they're doing, um, when you're recording stuff and, you know, we just haven't had that. So we haven't, um, especially with this whole USB thing. I'm not used to the whole USB. It's crazy technology these days. It is crazy. United States brokerage. Yeah, how that works. But we have have an old board from the village, and we're happy about that. And we're on your Mac, and that's working good. So Yeah, uh, we're thinking this sounds better. So anyway. I hope it does. Look at that. Um, You know, you sent me a little text message, and I I liked it, raising up leaders. Yeah. Um, And so I I assume this has some some church uh, context, and, and it could be applied to whatever um, you want potentially. Sure. But, um, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of, there's a lot of church leadership podcasting yes, out there. there so are. Is, are you trying Absolutely. to jump on that bandwagon right now? Is that, yeah, like a, so let's, you. Let's compete with Andy Stanley and the guy who wrote Blue Like Jazz. Doesn't he have a big old organization? Oh, storyboard now. now. Storyboarding. Kind of yeah, and I, I liked his book. I mean, it was interesting. Yeah. Um, well, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he does know what he's doing. Yeah, he wrote Blue Like Jazz. That worked. But, yeah, and that worked pretty good. And yeah. the dra- he wrote a dragon book that I read. Well, yeah. I forget what the name Not was. Not How to Train a Dragon. No, which, by to the way, number three is coming out. Oh. And uh, How to Train a Dragon. Oh, really? Yeah. The do you get practical advice on how to train a dragon in these? Uh, I think we could do that. Maybe we should change it. Instead of raising up new and young leaders and raising up leaders, we could just talk about how to train your dragon. And Which dragons is, could be either really a dragon or a metaphor. A metaphor. Well, let's go with that. This is the Dragon Training Podcast. So, y- which dragons um, do you want to do? You want to talk about a couple of the dragons you're currently training? Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> yeah, got a big one and a small one. So, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, th- really quick though, I, let's let's distinguish. I mean, there's. Um, you know there are all these kind of leadership movements yes. out there, and there's a. But you know, I from knowing you guys, you guys are very at the village um, are very grassrootsy versions of this stuff. Like you're not just people aren't just churning through books and training materials and right. Um, you know, very structured internships, and that's not you. No. So when you know, what are you talking about when you say this? When you when you're raising up leaders, what's your theory, and how would you distinguish that from, you know, the the maybe more well known stuff out there? Well, I, I mean, everyone at some level is a leader. When I speak about it, I I always joke that in my family, you know, 
everyone has leadership. Even the youngest kid has leadership in that he leads the dog, right? The poor dog right. isn't, is trying to lead everybody else. A leader is just somebody who has followers. Right. Somebody will follow them, then they're a leader. Right. Someone will be influenced by them, then they're a leader. So there's that element of of leadership that exists in all of us. Like mm-hmm. we're called to lead because it, it, I think it it is part of being created in God's image. Yeah, is to speak forth something, to have an influence in in the world around you. So there's that form of leadership. And then I think there's like a recognized spiritual leadership within the context of your community, your church, um, that has a biblical structure because the Bible is kind of gives you the structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it gives you elders and it gives you uh, deacons or ministers, however you want to interpret that Greek word. Servants. Servants, or, yeah. right? Yeah. And and usually that, you know, the, the elders tend to have a more, you know, uh, I don't, I don't want to, not in a bad context to use this word, but a ruling. Uh, they're, they're, they're overseers. Yeah. And then the elders. They have a lot of responsibility. Yeah, they have a lot of responsibility. And the deacons or the, the servant, lead servants or whatever you want to call them, they uh, tend to be beyond the ground, but also have a, a strong mm-hmm. uh, leadership component to who they are. They're just kind of fleshing things out a little bit more or in a different way. I, I, I tend to refer to our deacons as the those who serve. Or lead the servers, like those who lead those who serve. So they're discerning, sure. you know, between because there's a, a lot of in the Bible. There's a lot of spiritual responsibility on the deacon. It's not just somebody who you know. It's like oh, they're they're capable of cleaning up the trash. It's like these are the people who are discerning out how the how to serve. So I, I tend to say to our deacons like, you shouldn't do all the work. It's the church is called to serve one another, right? Um, Okay, so there's there's these there's those different positions yeah. that are held. But the thing that I have heard a lot about from other people is the difficulty in raising leaders in this generation in this context. Okay, like more yes. and more Go churches are Go built uh, with like older people on all of these different positions, recognized yeah. positions of leadership, um, and they're finding that younger people are leaving their church. Yeah. Um, and there's, I oh, guess well. that's, yeah, that's, I don't know who Keep that talking, is, keep but, talking. You know, we don't have a perfectly soundproofed. Uh, well, we don't know how it comes through. Yeah. We got to stop acknowledging sounds outside. I like to acknowledge sounds Do you? Okay. You like the more professional, you know. I like to be professional. You like I'm, to be professional. Yeah, if I could, if I could train up a leader. He'd be a professional. They wouldn't acknowledge every they would not. sound. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of rebellious in that way. Yeah, so I think training up young leaders to hold positions of lead ministers and even to hold positions of elders and then what I would call influencers in your community that maybe because of time or life things, they can't be in a position of, you know, that's a recognized position because they don't have time to go to the meetings and to be mm-hmm. present. But they're still leading in your community. Sure. Um, and so they're influencers in the community. How do you raise them up? How do you get them to be at a place where they're deeply connected to God and excited about what your church is doing and also beginning to bring their own voice into all of it? Yeah. So how do you do that? What's that look like in this generation? Because I think it's a little different. Like when I was growing up, I mean, training a leader, you know, I heard from very little, you know, faithful, available, teachable. Fat. Fat kids. We we want fat leaders. People used to say that. Yeah, Yeah. we're looking for – because I used to work in youth group and they'd say – 
Yeah. You know, somebody get up front and give you a little wink. We're looking for the fat kids. Yeah. Faithful, available, teachable. And and it's a great truth, yeah. right? But then yeah. you would go, I mean, I've been through a lot of leadership training, um, you know, programs right? mm-hmm. where you have workbooks mm-hmm. and you have uh, exercises that you'll right. do and all those kinds of things. And, and to be honest, did I learn some things from those? Yeah. It's sure. not that you don't learn some things, but they didn't make me a leader. Right. The thing that made me a leader was a man sitting down with me for four years, four hours a week, mm-hmm. training me, teaching me everything he knew, inviting me to do what he was doing. Right. Challenged me to do the, my ideas and, and gave me a, a platform to do them and allowed me to fail mm-hmm. and kind of then critiqued me in those things and helped me see that. Also got his hands dirty in my marriage. And, That's interesting. You know, so he involved himself in my life, um, but always opening doors for me to kind of move beyond him or to move in a direction um, that may not have been his direction yeah. per se. But he tried to then contain me within what he was doing. Yeah. So he gave me room, but there were boundaries to all that. Yeah. And and it provided for a lot of um, experiences, and it provided for a lot of loyalty. Like I would have, you know, as long as he was at that community, I would have stayed with him. And if in the end he'd been more open about his plans in life, I probably would have still be with him. Right. You know, because why don't you go go over to his church right now? Um. Well, because he doesn't have one. <laughs> He has a big uh, trading company now, like a stock trading yeah. company. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he was, that was a huge influence on my life. And yeah. he and, and it's a mark that – and then he did teach me sort of those things that you would hear in a training group. Like, you know, his big motto was the church should be like in and out. Uh, you do do a few things and do them well. Don't yeah. try to be a uh, jack in the box and and do a whole bunch of things mediocre. Uh-huh. Um, and he, you know, he's like a Wait, medium. Are you calling that two tacos at Jack in the Box mediocre right now? Yeah, pretty much. I take you, issue with that. You can't live. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, when you compared to ordering a hamburger at In and Out, you know, it's just not the same. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll let that. We'll let that lay by the wayside. Well, he came from California, and In and Out was there was no In and Out in Tucson, so like it was a big thing to go get In and Out. Oh, right. Remember that when like going to California meant the first In and Out you saw, you, you stopped at. You stopped at. Yeah, now not, who not cares? So much anymore. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so. Okay, I here's still I've, got those kinds of things. Okay, so I've got a I've got a hard left turn question for sure. you here. So, okay, so yeah, I agree with you. I've had experiences like that too. Are there people in your community? I I'm thinking like I bump into two types, uh, or maybe three types. Let's, Let's I'm just be honest, just four, but we'll cover three. Sure, 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 sure. There's the person that wants to lead, and like immediately yes. and and you're thinking I don't know and they continue to want to lead and you continue to go I think you're actually you know and then the question like Rod's brought up with me before your co-pastor you know leaders are ones who are leading and there are a lot of people who I look and nobody's following you but you're so sure you should lead then there's the the next type would be the type that's kind of on the other end of the spectrum, who is like riddled with self-doubt and I don't know if I can lead who would follow me. But you look and you go, everybody comes to you when they have a question. You know, you're always 
you're involved and the kids are following you all over the room and stuff like that. And then there's some then there's people somewhere in the middle who are just kind of they're just kind of the the you know prototypical fat kids. They're just faithful, available, teachable. They're just kind of like, hey, I'm here, and yeah, they do have some leadership ability, and they're willing. I, you know, and so that's kind of they're kind of the middle of the road. But how do you uh, decide out of those? You know, when you when you meet those folks, and I assume it's not always the same. But yeah, what do you do with that? Well, I mean, obviously, for a, for a church that's very grassroots, we have a lot of rules. Uh huh. Um, so <laughs> to, to kind of moderate the grass and to keep it mowed. Um, yeah, and, and okay. I think so. One of Villa, them is, the village tagline, um, the village church Tucson. We have a lot of rules. We have a lot of rules. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like you know, you come and you're like, hey, I want to, I want to lead worship. We're like, well, be here for six months, right? And then and get to know yeah. us and the music, and then we'll kind of walk you through that process. We've said that a number of times, yes. and then most of those people aren't around right. anymore. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so when it comes to a person who really, really wants to lead, we say, okay, well, who's following you? Mm -hmm. And then we usually say, all right, how can you begin to shepherd those people? We'll, we'll walk alongside you in that. Like, how can you move into their life? Like, and, and so when you can demonstrate that you're faithful in that area, then we'll help you move to the next area. Maybe we'll have you come on to you just hit the first the first letter in the acronym, faithful. Yes. No, mm-hmm. and I think faithful, available, and teachable is important. I, I think there are, uh, you know, my favorite leader is the one who who is maybe not riddled with self doubt, but is is humble enough to not push themselves ahead of people, even if they're more skilled than they are. Yeah, I actually am. <laughs> The the middle of the road person is I have no that I'm pretty comfortable working with somebody in that place, but I I feel a sense of relief when somebody is hesitant as yes. a leader. That to me is not a bad sign. Um, it's not easy to to work with necessarily. No, but but I it doesn't worry me usually. Right. Well, I think there's a big shift in the church in that like. Uh, at least when I was young, and I can say this now, being 46, is that there's a sense that the whoever's in leadership, the elders, the deacons, the pastor, like they're they are given a certain level of respect, and so whatever they're asking of us to do, uh, we have to consider doing it. And I think in this day and age, people are not going to step into that until they feel like they have voice. Okay, you know, and so in some ways, leadership, I think in this new world is, yes, you still have positions, you still have people leading, but you're also giving the general congregation a lot more possession over things. Well, then set guidelines. So as long as you can hold on, if you have a very strong identity and a mission, then you can let people sort of begin to paint their own picture as long as it fits into those boundaries and and allow them to have impact on what's happening because they want to know they have impact. They're not going there just to meet some friends, worship Jesus and go home. They want to know, okay, if this is a movement, like can I impact the movement? Yeah. Because I think, you know, you look at the world now, the biggest complaint amongst people who are under the age of 40 is that there are these huge problems and they have no impact. Like there's no important, like they're not important. Um, And they're getting frustrated with that. I want to come back. I want to come back to that in a second, but I just wanted to throw out. Um, so I'm I 
read a few chapters of a book recently, and there was this there's this idea. It was kind of some older leadership people, I think, coming from maybe Southern Baptist background, or at least one of them. And they were saying something to the effect of, you know, that people used to come into a religious organization and just ask, what do we do? You know, they were just kind of like, who's the pastor? Who's on the board? So, you know, and just kind of, yeah, okay, we're here. What do we do? And they were saying now that that the leader is going to, by and large, that's not going to happen anymore. But they're going to have to be somebody that people want to emulate. Now. Right. Like that's going to be the new. And and I, I looked at that and I went, yeah, I can see that, you know, that, that people are going to be drawn to the leader, not just because they're there, but because it's someone that they go, I want to, I want to mimic this to some degree. And right. so this mission that gets worked out in the church has to be very much embodied within the leader instead of just yes. assumed or stated. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So what about, so, so there are, I've noticed though, even within the people who you're saying they want to have a voice, they want to have an impact. I hear that a lot and I've started to notice, I'm getting a little cranky, I think getting kind of old and cranky. But I've started to notice a lot of complaining about stuff that's not getting done. And here's what I'm where my head goes. Like, okay, so what are you doing? You know, um, you know, I I want to see action. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna latch onto you and what you're saying and what you're promoting, I want to see that you are committed to this in your life. So if you've been, if you just, you know, it, it appears that you've kind of been, you know, every day you've just been out on a hike and, uh, or you've been, or you've binge watched everything on Netflix or whatever. And then you come to me and complain that there's, you know, nobody's taking care of the poor. I'm going, actually, a lot of people are taking care of the poor. Where are you at in this picture? I'm, I'm, I'm getting kind of cranky with it. Yeah. So, so how though can teach me, Eric, how to not be cranky, but how to develop this person into a leader? Well, I'm the first one. I mean, you and I come; uh, we're kind of cut from the same cloth on this. So, you, I don't really need to tell you all this, but for the audience, I'll say <laughs> that you need to change your goal <laughs> to a sure. desire, and then we'll move on from that. Yes, thank you, Larry Crab. <laughs> thank, thank you, Larry you. Crabb. yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I'm not. Yeah, I, I'm just teasing. Yeah. You. Uh, the other one, I think, you know, the thing I say to people all the time is when people say, hey, I don't like this or, hey, I want, yeah. I think this should change. I said, so what are you going to do about it? Right. Because this is not my responsibility. Um, I, I usually remind people I have kids and yeah. I have a wife and I can't and – I, and I work very hard in the church to do what God's calling me to do. And so you – if you see this, then it's something that God's calling yeah. you to. And so you need to do something about it. It's not my job. I will enable you if you need skills. Right. I'll, I'm I'm so happy to get behind yeah. folks. And there are people who I'm not. This is not a blanket statement. This I'm just I'm kind of breaking out these categories. Sure, of sure. People who and this is often the ones who want to be a leader, or they want to have a voice. And I'm going. I n- nobody's stopping you, but right. it's like, are you at? You're asking me to put you in a position, I want you to be in that position. I want you to lead right. it, right? If, if this is such a, if it's so heavy on your heart. 
Yeah, and I, I think internally, like that, for our people, those are good things to say. I, I think when it comes to other pastors and people who are trying to lead this next generation, I mean, I think, one, if you can't go to anybody in your church and say, hey, what is this particular community about? Like, what are they, mm-hmm. what makes them significant? What makes them unique? Like, and they can't say at least mm-hmm. something that everybody else would say, yeah, that's what makes us unique, then you're probably going to have trouble with leaders. Yeah. And, and the other one is, I think we're st- the people who are in power still as pastors are in a place where, and even in businesses, where I think they think training programs are what going are going to make leaders. Right. You don't know how many emails I get from organizations about their new leadership Sure. Program. Oh, yeah. And how this is guaranteed to train young leaders. Ultimately, I'm like, no, the only way you train a young leader is go, is, is get into their life. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's all relational yeah. now. Yes. Do you need to open up your Bible and teach them principles of leadership? Yes. Do you need to model principles of leadership? Could you give them a book or some things to do on the side to help supplement? Yes. But that's not the main point of leading. Like, I learned to, preach by somebody opening a Bible with me and working a passage out and explaining it and then showing me the resources and and engaging me relationally, even though it's something I could have learned in a training program. Right. But he engaged me relationally, which actually got me extremely excited about it. And so then I started exploring it. Yeah. And I think this generation is so YouTube-y. Right. Right. And and they're going to, like, if they want to be a preacher, they're going to go watch 100 preachers. Right. They're going to watch. You can type in how to make a good speech. Oh, sure. You're going to get better training on how to make a good speech than any oh, yeah. program I could ever give you. Right. You can develop that your own program in about 10 minutes. Yes. Right? So it's yeah. not about that. It's all about relationship now. And I, I actually think it sort of always has been. Oh, it like, has? I mean, but, it, but it's increasingly so, I guess you could say. Because I, I, like you, I look back and I've been to so many. I'm just, I'm like generally kind of done with conferences. I've been to so many conferences and so many things. And I look back and what stuck, right, are typically like walk with me moments, you know, and sometimes the ones that weren't even planned. Actually, a lot of them weren't planned. The ones where I was with somebody who I looked up to and they just said a thing or did a thing that I looked, I saw and went, oh, you know, or I looked back on it and I just never forgot it. And I went, that's because that was so impactful, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how? But I would so make who, an argument for intentional discipleship of people. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, here. Yeah. Here's where I'm. Yes. So you've got a church of 150 people or so, or who knows? Not that big, but yeah. 500 people. You've got. You're bursting at the seams. You've got <laughs> multiple services over there. You're building new campuses. Yeah, we had two services last week uh-huh. but a total of maybe 70 people. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. 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 Well, let's let's dial it back. <laughs> 70 people. Plus kids. But but you are um one busy guy with a family and so you're not there's no way you're doing 70 intentional meetups every week and so I know you've had to multiply leaders sure. and stuff like that. But who gets your time? And how do you, who gets the one hour, like, you know, time where they would pick up, like what that guy gave you, the four hours a week or whatever, or the one hour a week, who gets that for you? How do you decide who gets that from you? And who, you know, and why? 
I, you can't give it to everybody. So how does it work out that who gets it? Well, and the cool thing at my church, uh, two things. One, luckily I started out with another co-pastor yes, right. who um, had this – his the village being sort of a second job. Um, uh-huh. So he had a little bit more space even though he wasn't yeah. being paid. So he could meet with people. But I think what's been really good is that our growth has been short or yeah, slow. Gradual. Sure. Gradual. Good good word, gradual. Uh so I have been able to invest in what I would call almost like classes. Yeah. In the sense of this group of people had came in this wave and I invested for two or three years yeah. in those ten people. And then as those ten people have developed and they've been in and out of leadership and some of them still on leadership. I have invested in the next class of people. Right. And as that class has developed, you know, I feel like I'm on class. came in waves. Yes. Class number four, maybe. I mean, I've put a lot. I mean, those people have been in and out of my home and, you know, lots of meetings with them. I'm in their marriages. I've I've performed their marriages, uh, their weddings. Um, So, yeah, the problem with all of that is that you build very deep and intimate relationships with people and then – and then you, they have to dial back a little bit. A lot. Isn't that, isn't that a hard – I've experienced this. This is a very hard adjustment for them. And then it becomes a harder adjustment down the road for me because now as there's been space, they're actually just my friends. I'm not investing yeah. as much you know, leadership-wise. And I miss them uh-huh. and I just want to hang out with them. Yeah. And I don't have that kind of space in my life. Yeah, and so and and you're still the pastor. Yes, and I'm still the pastor. And there's I, a weird. And I am there's their pastor, and I operate that right. Way, so yeah, there it's a, and that's an interesting. I have that too, where I want, I just want to be friends, and and I think there's times when that does occur, but there's still like I still have this role, right? Like I'm still the the pastor of the church, and it feels, yeah. and maybe a lot of that's in my head. I don't know, but it, but I. Well, no. It feels like I don't, you know, I don't get the phone call to just go get the beer, um, be, you know, because I'm everybody assumes I'm so busy, and I am, but but I'd like to be busy with not just work. Yeah, I'd like to be busy with just but, hanging out. Yeah, That'd be cool. But but like but I get it. And then I would assume that there'd be like, what's our shared thing? It's the church, and yeah. so it's you know it's easy to just slide into that, which kind of feels like for everybody. Right, more official business, and one of my better friends, I don't know. you know, in the church, has said a number of times, just yeah, if you hang out with Eric, you know, the two there are three yeah. things that are important to him: God, yep. the church, and board games. Yeah, so if that's what you're going to talk about, if you hang out with him, yeah, I mean, if you're going to ask him questions, because mostly I'm right asking yeah. other people questions, or or offering what I know and have learned, but I, I think the thing that I haven't done well in this process. Is that I, you know, I don't know. I think that I haven't communicated that, hey, I may not be able to hang out with you all the time, but it means a lot when people yeah. ask me yeah. to hang out. And I haven't helped people see themselves as me. Yeah. So as they've evolved into things to be like, hey, no, you're actually me now. So you're the f- sort of pastoral and you're going to reach for, to your For people. your folks. Yeah. Yes. And for the people. And you have to see yourself that way. And for me now, I'm just, you have to look at me down the road and be like, oh, yeah, we're imitating what Eric does. We love him. And we need to create some time to get with him. But that's, we're yeah. following him while he walks down that road and we're doing it. Yeah, yeah. And I know they're doing it, but sometimes they end up in this sense of, like, oh, we need Eric to do this, uh-huh. or we need Eric to do that, or 
It's like, no, I, I mean, if, if, and if they could get, and this is the funny knowledge you have. It's like, if you could get in my head, that feeling you have, like, I need somebody else to do this is how I feel as well. All the time. Yeah, all the time. (laughs) So just the fact that you feel that doesn't mean that I actually could do this better because I have that same, back when I started the church, I was like, you know, where's my, where's my person to hand hand this off to (laughs) because I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think after 18 years of doing this, I'm in a place where I'm having to make this adjustment of, oh, I know how to do this. Yeah. I've I actually do know how to do it. Done yeah. a whole bunch. And now I'm supposed to try to offer something that's never been offered to me. Mm-hmm. Because up to this point, I feel like, oh, I've had trained to do this. I've engaged. But now this whole model and the way we do church is, is different. And now I've got to hand it off to my co, my new co pastor. Yeah. I need to hand it off to other people in a way. Like where I'm actually making it a little systematic. Like right. how do you preach in, in the village context? I have to train that. Yeah. I've developed it. Right. How do you, you know, disciple in a more, you know, how do you approach these particular things? What kind of questions do you ask? Like that's, Goals and desires. Yeah. When, when do you bring it up? When do you not bring yes. it up? And I give my, kidding. you know, well, no, and I give my church like a lot of, we do give them a lot of opportunity to train. Yeah. So a lot of our elders preach yeah. a lot. So they get to practice and they get critiqued and we go over their sermons with them. You know, in leadership meetings, so our elder and deacon meetings, I make them teach the books we're reading. Um, so they have to, you know, if we're reading a particular book, we assign all the chapters out. Mm-hmm. And then they have to do a 15-minute lecture on the chapter um, to to help us understand, yeah. it, which forces them into like a, a study. and a, So there are little structures that we've Put into our community to do things um, to train people. But so uh, back to back to my previous question, really quick. Sorry. Like, no, no, I just I wanted to get this from you. Like, so there, you've had the waves, but still, I'm sure that there are people who don't get into like the current wave right now of however many people you're spending hours with. Yeah, how do those people get there? Get where? into your life more Yeah, deeply. well, at this point in time, a lot of it is either they're my elders or they're, um, they're leaders who are yeah. who carry big burdens in the church. That's kind of the book Trellis and the Vine. Have you ever read that? No. But he suggests um, in, in that where the two authors suggest that a, a good leader invests in a small group of leaders who will then invest in a, yeah kind of the other. jesus principle of yeah yeah so i think the other group of people who get a lot of my time are people who are struggling at levels that others can't mm-hmm. you know basically after me they're gonna have to they're gonna have to go into some kind of you know bigger therapy thing like right so i'm kind of the, the skilled person in that so um, leaders and and people with a acute need acute need is a good way of describing that yeah so yeah, and, and and I'm happy to do that, uh, but it does fill my schedule. So, yeah. yeah, for me, I think the answer to that question would be whoever's asking and following up. Yeah, like I, you know, I I just don't. I'm not going to know if somebody wants more time. Like, if anybody at our church says, "Hey, can we sit down to a meal and talk?" Generally, I will do that within the week with them. But yeah. people go, I know you're busy, but you know. But if you ask, I can, I can usually do it. 
Um, I'm probably you know. at a two-week, two to three-week yeah. spot. And that could happen for me too, but I would still schedule it and absolutely do it. Sure. Um, but but it's kind of uh, – but if, you know, if – if somebody isn't isn't asking, I you know I don't I'm not I don't have time. I'm just trying to give away either. Yeah, I think you know? a lot of the people I meet with, I'm the one that said, "Hey, let's sit down and meet. Let's create this." Yeah, because I want to train them, and I'm usually trying to say, "Hey, this is what I see in you." Mm-hmm. You know, and I think a big part of training leaders is to paint a picture for who they are in the future. Yeah, and get them excited about what they have to offer. And then give them tangible ways to move in that direction. So you're more a little more like the hand pick, like you you see something in somebody and you go, Hey, let's let's yeah. meet. Yeah, I tend to be more not that I don't see things in people, I do. Um, but it tends to be more if you're if you're wanting more time, yeah. I'm then that's my signal. I go, ah, okay. Yeah. Let's then I'm I'm all in. And if you want to meet again next week, I'll probably do it again. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I mean that's that's a good way of being a pastor. I mean, because you begin to find the people who want to move towards transformation because they're pursuing you and they see you as a, a place where they can begin to grow closer to God. Right. I mean, sometimes you have to to guard your time and yeah. also you know look that's, at why are we meeting and what's the goals and all those kinds of things. Yeah, that's that's a trick too. Is being not it's not like any time I'll meet or you know, but um, I tend to use the same worn out little thing. I'll say, "Give me two or three times you've got in the next couple of weeks, and I'll pick one." Yeah, no, um, that is that is something I say to a lot of people. Yeah, hey, text me three dates, and I can pick yep. one because my schedule's very busy. Yeah, yep. But um, I mean, a downfall I would say to my approach, I would assume, is there are people who want to be pursued who feel like that's not happening right um and it's hard because it's partly kind of how my my mind works like how i function as a leader is that whatever like rod said you know whoever's in front of me has all my attention or whatever but and I, i feel like i've got like naturally that's sort of what happens with me too like if if you're like hey i want i want to meet Okay, and I'll meet, yeah. and it's and we're gonna have that time, and I'm all in, you yeah. know. But um, but I'm not necessarily, you know, sitting at home with my family later in the evening, going, ah, uh, you know, I really should call them. Mm. I mean, it happens, but it's rare. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think probably you should you know, partner yourself with somebody who does think that way, right? Or, or you know, kind of identify people who are a little bit more oriented in that direction. To like go in and go, yeah, absolutely. Kind of release them to that part. You know, I think one of the things that got me thinking about the whole leadership thing, though, and why I wanted to talk about it, and and maybe you can push back on some of this, is I think growing up in the church, what what I struggled with was sort of these two streams of like when you go to the actual service on a Sunday, Mm -hmm. it's not really that thought out why you do this, why you do that. And not just like why you, you know, sing a particular song, but literally why you sit in the things that you sit in, why you have coffee afterwards, where you put things, why you say things the way you say them. That was one stream. It's just not thought through. You just do it. Or it's so theologically thought through that, you know, it feels stifling. You don't Mm -hmm. even, I mean, it's, 
And so I, I've been thinking about it because somebody at our church who's been in and out, they, they're an older couple that, that came um, a while back and then they had to move to Phoenix. And when they retired, they wanted to come here so they yeah. could be involved in the village. And they, I really respect them a lot. And, and the, the husband was saying, you know, he, he he's watched the village for a long time and he is so surprised about how many subliminal messages are spoken every mm-hmm. Sunday about what is valued and why you do it and how it's done. And, right. and there's just this constant bombarding of that. And I think that's a way of developing leaders mm-hmm. is that they're, when everything is so well thought out and explained and engaged with and practiced, people just sort of normally step into it and they're like, oh, this is how you do this. Oh, this is why we do this. Oh, and, and so there's sort of – and when it's more organic and not just theological, I think it's very important right. theologically sure. that we understand how we're practicing but or why we're practicing. But even further than that, that there's a strong philosophy that kind of pervades things. Well, it's like layers of – because we've been talking about the leadership layer of intent time, intense one-on-one time. Yeah. But then there's the leadership layer of just hearing – the I mean, it's kind of like the CEO of the company that's always telling you, our company is about quality and safety, and you hear it over and over, and eventually it gets stuck in you know, right? It gets ingrained in you, and that is that is leadership on the more of the macro yeah. scale, sure. Yeah, so I think that's important, and I think that's the first way you develop leaders. Mm-hmm. And then you see who who from with. Who, who, like in the group that's hearing that and is taking that on, wants to engage deeply with yes, that, right? Yes, yeah. I think that's the very beginning of it all. Yeah, and then who emerges from that and and starts leading others in those ways, and then you might go, ah, here's somebody I'm going to sit down with four hours a week. Right. I, I also think the other thing that's interesting about, at least at the village, the way of developing leaders, is when I introduced our elders, I said. These are your elders, you know, and, and we talked a little bit, and, and they're new at it. Uh-huh. So they're going to be practicing. So some of them are going to cut your arms off. Right. And they're going to wound you and hurt you. That doesn't mean they don't love you and they're not trying to right. shepherd you. But they don't they, – there's no way to learn other than practice on you. Mm-hmm. You know, and at some level being an elder is barbaric, <laughs> right. just like being a doctor. You're, yeah. you're practicing eldership. Yeah, yeah, if only we could work on cadavers. Right, <laughs> but you can't. And I think the other thing is – at least twice a year when I talk about the village, I open with, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to disappoint you. Mm. I'm a human. Sometimes you're going to think I'm awesome. Um, sometimes I'm going to preach and you're going to think, I don't know why we ever listened to him. Sure. Because I'm I'm human. You can't put me on a pedestal. Right. You shouldn't expect that. But you, you should still expect me to walk honorably and mm-hmm. to hold my position with respect. But you can't put me on a pedestal and think I'm great and you can't knock me off that pedestal and criticize me like I'm just like you I'm going to wound you you're going to wound me but God redeems all of that and that's the beauty of it and so when you have that picture leadership looks a lot different I Mm -hmm. think modeling leadership that that is is you know as you know Allender says like leading with a limp like you have to have you your wounds have to impact the way you lead Mm -hmm. you can't shove them down somewhere and Right. Pretend like you're you're not wounded person. Right. Oh yeah, I agree. You know, so I, I think those are. Imp- I think humility. You know, I guess the the things that I would think I was. You know, Micah six eight. I preached on part of it last week, but you know, 
justice, mercy, and humbly walking before God. Like that's what we're all about. That's what we're looking for in in leaders, people who who hold up justice, who practice mercy, and who walk humbly. Yeah. You know, and then what that looks like is yeah. something we flesh out together. I don't know. What do you think? I agree with you. Oh, that's nice. Um, are you uh, are you spending four hours a week with anybody right now? Uh, usually, I average two hours. I've, yeah. Now, you know, I think in those days I was in the hospital, or working in the hospital, and so I worked three days a week. So I had you know four days off. So spending a four hour day with somebody it was easier. Yeah. A lot of times people work, so you can't uh-huh. really do that anymore. Right. Usually I'm keeping people and they're like, I have to get to work. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, I I think we've had a talk about leadership here. Yeah. So anyway. And uh, yeah, our mics up. work, so that's cool. Lights yeah. are going up and down. Yeah, so lights nice. are happening on the board. That's great.